It's the Chronicles of Aguna, and we're live. Hello, good evening and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the last man standing with loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu. And on this week's preview show, we are looking ahead to Arsenal's trip uh, up to Vicarage Road this coming Sunday, 4.30pm. It's the Sky Live game. And I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by Andy Lewis, Watford fan, uh, Watford podcaster, radio host, um, and also... Andy, you do another podcast too. Do you want to let our listeners know uh, about that? Because it is a Premier League podcast, isn't it? It certainly is. Yeah. Hi, Harry. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. So the new podcast, which has started this season, um, it's called Stairway to Seventh. Uh, and the catch is, is that it's a Premier League podcast solely dedicated to the uh, clubs outside of the big six in the Premier League. So not necessarily the top six, uh, necessarily it's the big six. So uh, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, United, City and Spurs, they're not included in the show at all. Um, It's sort of a a safe haven for other supporters in the Premier League to just have sort of their their time to shine, if you like, because we feel a little bit hard done by when we watch things like Match of the Day and listen to to 606. (laughs) I think you should start including Spurs in there as well, though. Just to, uh, <laughs> I think well, that that. Go well, so, so Chelsea and United are looking uh, looking strong contenders to be in next season's podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So we're here to talk about uh, Arsenal's trip to Watford on Sunday. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you've been on the podcast before. It was we had you on last season, didn't we? Yes, you did. Brilliant stuff. And I remember we got into a little bit of a, not a disagreement, but we were talking about the Troy Deeney thing, um, the, the thing that keeps rumbling on uh, between Arsenal and Watford. And, you know, lots of people uh, love to point to that. It's kind of like the, the side story, isn't it, between Arsenal and Watford. But I want to start off by getting your thoughts on the recent happenings at Vicarage Road, because I was a little bit surprised to hear that Javi Grazia had got the sack and then I looked at his uh, recent record. Um, first of all, before we talk about who's replaced him, what were your initial feelings? Did you see it coming? And, and, and how do you feel about it? So a lot of uh, a lot of supporters outside the Watford sphere were obviously uh, sort of quite taken aback. You know, when you look at it on the face of it, last season we had our record Premier League points total and, of course, that FA Cup final. Um, but for a lot of Watford fans, we weren't actually that surprised. We were uh, disappointed because we all we all took a shine to Javi. We really liked him um, as our head coach, the way he represented our club. He was a, a really popular figure around Vicarage Road. Um, but when you, like you said, when you go into a bit more depth, we had won 33 points in our last 32 league games. Our last clean sheet came in February. Our last two victories in the league were against... Fulham, who we relegated that night, and against already relegated Huddersfield. Um, there was a consistency to sort of play players who are underperforming and uh, stick with the formation that had been worked out from opposition sides. So it was it was a really difficult decision, and I was quite taken aback at the timing of it. Um, I think if the owners were going, I thought if the owners rather were going to do it, they would do it sort of on the Monday morning after the Newcastle game. Um, the fact they waited a week to do it during the international break uh, made me think that he'd be given a little bit more time to 
to sort it out. So that was kind of the thing that surprised me, not necessarily that Harry actually went. But that doesn't mean to say um, myself and other Watford fans weren't disappointed because he was a, a really popular figure. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, when you look at it in a little bit more detail, you can understand why Watford, you know, pulled the trigger. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think the only wins since March uh, were uh, Fulham and Huddersfield. And, you know, that is not really acceptable. And I know Watford ended up finishing 11th last season, lost the FA Cup final. You know, anyone can get beaten by Manchester City. They're that good at the moment. But my sort of question to you is, was the manner of that defeat ultimately, you know, a real mark against Javi's name? I personally don't think so. Uh, not not the FA Cup anyway. I think the manner of the defeat, certainly at home this season, um, probably did for Javi. With the FA Cup, what what people are... Yes, we obviously got, you know, we got spanked 6-0. It was it was, was a little bit embarrassing on the day. But what people are forgetting, that's, you know, that's a one-off game. If that's a, if that's a league game and we go 2-0 down before half-time, you're probably saying, let's shut up shop, you know, damage limitation sort of thing, try and keep our goal difference respectable. But because it's that one-off game, that final, Watford had to push forward. Watford had to throw men towards City's goal and try and get something back. Um, which obviously left, left us exposed at the back. So it, it's kind of no surprise once we went 2-0 down before half-time that we uh, conceded those four goals in, in the second half. So whilst it was obviously uh, you know a bit humiliating, no one wants to go to Wembley for only their second ever FA Cup final and come away with the joint highest uh, defeat in a major final. Um, I think it was more so the manner of the defeats at the start of this season, you know, Brighton and West Ham at home were, were absolutely miserable and we we just looked like we didn't really have a clue so um it has been relegation form since probably about uh, february march time earlier this year interesting stuff now lots of the time you know you look at a team's results and you you make a judgment and often if you don't watch the team every week and i admittedly don't watch watford every week you can you know you can assume that maybe things are worse than they are but has it been that bad has there been literally no signs of of things improving there was some there i mean that there's always a bit of positivity around watford you know we're in we're in good hands um and whilst results don't go away we know we've got a decent a decent squad it's not like uh we've just come up from the championship and half our squad's injured etc um we, we have a, a good squad and we, we did have a good transfer window offensively anyway. You know, we uh, broke our transfer record, bringing in Ismail Assar for 30 million, uh, brought in Danny Welbeck from you guys, of course. Thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, kept the likes of uh, Delapu and Decore, who are hugely important to our squad. So, you know, going forward, attacking-wise, we've got plenty of options. It was, I think, defensively is what sort of what sort of did it for Javi. Um we were crying out at the back end of last season. You know, obviously, you probably watched the FA Cup final and seen Man City walk all over us. Defensively, we just we just aren't good enough um, at the moment. And I think myself and a lot of Watford fans were left uh, baffled that we didn't uh, didn't do a bit more defensively to bolster that back line in the uh, in the transfer window. And sadly, we're we're paying the price at the moment. But there's still plenty of positivity. Um, obviously. PK's come in and he's a, still a well-liked figure around Watford. Um, so we're, we're looking up, you know, we're sitting rock bottom. So literally for us, the only way is up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And coming on to Kike, now he's a manager who I thought was unlucky to lose his job in the first place. Um, and I was having this debate with somebody the other day, and I'd like to get your take on this because obviously I'm not a Watford fan, but people talk about the Pozzos and how they fire people so quickly. But if you look at sort of where Watford have finished pretty much under and the fact that they've survived and done what they've done under their sort of ownership you can't really knock their approach can you yeah you're absolutely right um and that's that's kind of why what for fans get a little bit uh, a little bit irked when um you know pundits and journos uh just start saying you know what would have a revolving door policy etc and that's it's really not the case you know people have been ignoring the fact that in the time that we've had Gracia as our head coach, you know, Chelsea have gone through Conte, Sarri and Lampard. Um, Great point. (laughs) Because they're they're Chelsea, because they're expected to compete, because they're expected to be in these major finals uh, year on year, no one bats an eyelid. But because we're, well, this is how it feels anyway, because we're sort of little old Watford, um, we we should know our place in the football pyramid and know that an FA Cup final will only come once every 35 years. And that's, that's not the case. That's not the vision. You know, we we are in this league to compete. Um, we we want we want to be ambitious. We want to push ourselves and achieve the impossible for Watford. Um, and if managers aren't able to progress us to that next level, uh, then the owners they you know they're not afraid to to make a tough decision. Um, we haven't fired all our all our previous managers. There have obviously been a few. Kike didn't get didn't get a sack to it at the end of his first season. Um, it was uh, he did have an option for a second season in his contract, but both he and the owners decided not to continue on to the second season. Um, obviously, Mazzari and Silva. Uh, the less said about those two, the better. They did get the sack um, alongside Javi, of course. But there's always been a reasonable justification behind the owners the owners' decisions, and I think that's what. Uh, that's what frustrates us really is that people won't do their research and just jump straight to conclusions um, when actually if you uh, like you're doing you know speaking to a Watford fan and getting an actual fan's opinion on it we're actually completely okay with it yeah fair play great points great points indeed Um, are you expecting there to be a new manager bounce now with uh, Kike Sanchez Flores and how are you feeling going into Sunday's game well, games against Arsenal are always good fun, aren't they? They're always they're always pretty close. There's always a great atmosphere um, at the game. Uh, am I expecting a new manager bounce? I expect a reaction. I re- expect a performance at least. I'm not naive enough to sit here and say yes, we're gonna we're gonna get all three points. That's you know I would happily take a point on uh, on Sunday. Um, but I'm I'm expecting a reaction from the players. I want to see us a bit more solid at the back. Um, I'm not too fussed about goals at this current at uh, this current stage because I think they'll come with our attacking options. I just want to see us a bit more solid and put in a decent performance. And if you know if we lose, then we lose. Arsenal are a very good side. Um, but if I can walk away from Vicarage Road saying that was much better than our previous four games this season, then actually I'll be pretty happy and a lot more confident for the season ahead. Absolutely. Now, to let the Arsenal fans know, because, um, and this is not a disrespect to Watford, I say this about any Premier League club. As Arsenal fans, we don't watch other clubs every week. We don't have, where would you find the time to sit and watch all sort of 10 games every weekend? But 
from a Watford perspective, uh, you know, who are the players that Arsenal fans should be worried about, should be looking out for? And how have Watford sort of been setting up so far this season? Can you give us any insight into how you think? I know it's difficult to say with a new manager, but based on what you've seen, who should we be looking out for? Yeah, so I think you've you've got to keep an eye out for new man Ishmael Assar. Um, signed uh, for a record fee of thirty million over the summer, a winger. Um, he's not really featured uh, in the league that much this season. In fact, he's only featured in our defeat uh, to West Ham in the league. Um, but played in the League Cup against uh, Coventry uh, a couple of weeks ago. Got his first goal there. Um, but he was uh, involved in the um, AFCON final, so he has uh, sort of had an extended period of rest. But now we've had the international break. I'm hoping he'll be starting uh, starting on Sunday. Um, he's uh, he is hopefully going to be one of our one of our key players this season. You might remember, obviously, when we brought Richarlison in uh, a couple of seasons ago, he uh, hit the ground running um, for life in the Premier League, and kind of uh, hopefully a similar story for for Sar as well. Um, in terms of setup, it's you know what I I don't think any Watford fan would be able to call it. Have he favoured uh, a sort of four-two-two-two formation, which I wasn't really a fan of because I thought we were far too narrow. But in the latter stages, he would switch that to maybe a three-four-three uh, three formation with Kike. Uh, what did uh, what did he do? It feels so long ago since he was. Uh, <laughs> Since he was with us, Kike sort of set up in a classic four-four-two. Um, you know, uh, at the uh, at the start of the campaign, we had um, Igalo and Dini uh, on song for the first half of that fifteen-sixteen season. Um, and it probably wouldn't surprise me if he sets up the same again. I think just because it's something that we know as a club, uh, something that the players know, and something that he's comfortable with as well. But it wouldn't surprise me if he maybe utilises the players that we have going forward, you know, Delefeu, uh, Pereira, Saar, etc. Um, Welbeck, of course. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, opts to change the formation a bit further down the line. Brilliant stuff. And just finally, mate, a prediction. Uh, how do you see this one going? Oh, uh, oh, difficult to say. Well, obviously, no Dini for the Hornets. Um, so it's going to make us a little bit weaker up front, isn't it? Let's say I've always got to be positive. New manager, Kike's back at the Vic. It's going to be a 2-1 victory to the Hornets. Oh, bold prediction. Um, I'm going to save my prediction. I'm going to put it out on tomorrow's podcast where I'll be sharing my preferred starting lineup um, and I'll be looking ahead to the game uh, from an Arsenal perspective in a little bit more detail. But a huge thanks to you, Andy, for coming on and uh, sharing your thoughts and giving us some insight into Watford. Uh, We are trying very hard to provide uh, to our listeners a little bit of insight into our opponents week on week. And thank you once again for being a good sport and coming on. Pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. That is Andy Lewis. And just quickly, uh, before we lock off the stream, guys, don't forget you can tune in to the fans phone in. Uh, That is coming up on Tuesday night uh, at uh, 9.30 p.m., I think. Yep, that's right, where you'll be able to call in and have your say on the game. So please, please uh, do look out for that and uh, do come join us. Uh, We'll be back on... uh, well, no, I was going to say on Monday, but we'll be back tomorrow where I'll be bringing you my preferred starting lineup and, of course, my prediction. And then, of course, we'll be taking a day off uh, on Saturday and Sunday and back on Monday with the review. So until then, guys, take care. Bye bye. <laughs>